HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. The great state of Wisconsin is home to the only master cheesemaking program outside of Switzerland. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 155 countries around the world. About a million listens a month. And I know they are braced with anticipation for tonight's episode of Tech Bytes, the penultimate episode of 2019, which means the second to last episode of the year. At the penultimate show, we always take a look back at the year, and this year, and this show is a little bit special because we also have a decade to look back at, because we're moving from 2019 to 2020. Who knows what's going to happen in 2020? Well, there are some things that we know. We know that Tech Bytes is going to celebrate its 200th episode, probably in February, because this is episode 195. We're going to take a little winter holiday break. We'll be back mid-January five episodes. I'm going to put it in February. To take a look back at 2019 and the decade of 2010 to 2020, we have longtime favorite returning guest of Tech Bytes, Tony Ayatsi. Ayatsi. I was looking at your name and I was thinking about that. We almost talked about that for like the whole show the first time. I think so. <laughs> Tony and his business partner X, who couldn't be with us tonight because he's in the Philippines. He says he's in the Philippines. I'm not really sure. You, do you have Find My Friends on your phone? I should get that for him. Because then you Definitely. can find out if he's actually in the Philippines. He probably is, though. You should sneak that on his phone He might somehow. not actually be in your office, but true. he's probably in the Philippines. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they were on Tech Bites the very first year back in 2015 in June. They were episode number 24. Shoebox is their company, and they have come back almost once a year. A couple things that I really like about Shoebox and some of the reasons why I keep inviting them back. One, Shoebox is restaurant technology. It is digitizing your invoices and your inventory and magically puts it onto a computer so you can have inventory and sales in real time. Hands-free. Hands-free. 
but they're actually restaurant people who made restaurant tech. And that is very, very unusual, as we know, after almost five years of Tech Bytes. Most people who are building restaurant tech are restaurant diners. And they sit in a restaurant and they say, wow, it would be so great if I could just pay my bill like Uber. And then they go and make something. But Tony was a chef for many, many years. X was a front of the house guy for many, many years. And they actually built tech for restaurants that solves real restaurant problems. So that's part of why we like them. And the other thing is that they're really good talkers. Really good talkers, always a lot of fun, always up for anything. So those two things combined make them good repeat guests. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. And our next guest is Hannah Forden, who is Heritage Radio Network's program director. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm happy to have you on. She is here because, did you know, Heritage Radio Network just is celebrating a decade of food radio. So we have a whole decade to look back on at that. We're going to start decade two in 2020. I know. I can't wait. Which is just insane to think about. And she also, being the program director, has a really good view on what happened on the radio over the past year. I'm really focused on one show, my show. I do listen to the other shows. That's not true. I don't. And have been on the other shows. I I only listen to this show. I appreciate your loyalty. I I listen to your podcast sometimes, too. Yes. They started a podcast. Were you inspired by this podcast? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) What's the name of your podcast? Overseasoned. Oh, that's a good name. I like that. Thank you. Damn I think it. we have about five podcasts over the past two years, so we're, we're not really keeping up on the volume quite so much, but we'll try. But the quality is high. Exactly. It's well seasoned. One take. It's, it's unfiltered. That's definitely true. Yeah. Real perspective from restaurant people. We don't necessarily promote it to our customers. Let's put it that way. It's not a promotional <laughs> <laughs> podcast. It's more therapeutic and introspective? Yeah. Well, we have a lot to say, but no one ever, no one, no one was listening. So, start a podcast, make them listen, or you can just listen to each other. Yeah, that's <laughs> usually what happens. So we will kick off the show like we always do, and we're going to talk about apps. What's your favorite app right now? And then let's talk about what the favorite, what the best apps were in 2010, if anyone can guess, and what the best apps were this year. It's kind of crazy to think about. Hannah, what's your favorite app right now, or the thing that you use the most? Yeah, so I think probably at a tie for apps I use the most is Apple Podcasts, because I pretty much am constantly listening to podcasts when I'm not helping people make them. Um, And then probably a runner-up is Instagram, because I'm a millennial and it's predictable. I don't know if they're my favorites, though. But they're your highest frequency Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the addiction. On Instagram, are you... What are you doing on Instagram? Are you using the full complement of all the bells and whistles? Are no. you shopping and no. buying stuff? And No, I think I like Instagram because... You're just lurking. Yeah, I, th- I like it because it's visual, which to me feels less like uh, emotionally taxing than Facebook. There's a lot of text and there's a lot of like emotions on Facebook, and I want to keep up with friends and colleagues and family, but... Being able to take it in visually is like just more comfortable for me. Um, but I don't think I'm fully taking advantage of it. I mean, I'm um, taking pictures of people and things and food that I love and I'm excited about, but I'm not an influencer or anything like that. I, yeah. Do you shop? Do you shop on Instagram? Do you buy things? Do you send things to people? Do you use the Mm-hmm. Uh, message feature to communicate? Yeah, definitely use the message. I haven't done a lot of shopping, but I will say that not so much recently. I used to 
prior to working in podcasts, I worked in the fashion industry. Um, and that was a really great way to discover um, new designers because it's the most affordable marketing platform. So I discovered a lot of people who I then went on to work with um, through Instagram, which was really cool. Interesting. So you'll be gratified to know that in 2010, according to TechCrunch, Instagram was the top iPhone app. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Did Facebook mm-hmm. own it at that time or was it independent still? That's an excellent question. I think I think it happened around like maybe a little later, if I remember correctly. Let's let's go to the internet because I remember I was like one of the I'm was one of the last of my peers to get an iPhone. 2012. I'll I'll look at it until there's an ad that's relevant to me. 2012. Facebook buys Instagram for one billion dollars. Can I hand with a B? With a B. 2012. Mm-hmm. According to the New York Times deal book, can you believe how fast they reached world domination? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's unfathomable. Yeah, it really is pretty impressive. And a super useful tool if you're in business that's selling something, even if you don't use it for ads or something like that. We, I have a little side business, uh, Fader Knives, and we'll. It's the only thing we use for promotion and marketing mm-hmm. as a small business. It's it, and it's all we need. It's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's but personally, if I ever see an ad that relates to me, I delete it from my phone for a month. I can't stand them knowing something about. It. I'll go and click on a bunch of stuff that's not relevant to me. Oh, you just have to talk about it. Yeah, that's true. By your phone, which you just I have, have to seen, talk about which it. I have experienced. As have I, and they still claim that that is not possible. No but way, that's it not is possible. One hundred percent happened to me. <laughs> it's absolutely happening. I was talking 100%. about. Uh, some seasoning mix, McCormick seasoning mix, and it showed up in my feed the next week. That's disturbing. Siri, yeah. Siri's listening to you. Uh, absolutely. What is your favorite Someone app right has. now? You know, I don't... The, Siri's algorithm assistant is listening to you. I've, I've been more putting my phone away during certain times because I only use it for work. I mean, it's, it's Slack, it's email, it's texting, it's... Photo scanning apps, so I, I don't use my phone for too much fun anymore, except for reading. I read on my phone because I can have all the lights off and read in bed well without disturbing anybody else. But I, I don't have any fun apps. I used to feel language apps sometimes. I like little flashcards of Arabic and stuff like that. I practice that kind of stuff. But are, are you learning Arabic right now? I have been for a long time, hmm. but just Is as there something an end different. Goal for that, or point I've always of usage, I went or? last year, but I've practiced it for years and years, but. I just love that style of cuisine. Where did you go last year? Morocco. Okay. Sorry. Because Arabic, Arabic is like a broad. Yeah, it is. It's not an actual Morocco. destination. <laughs> Morocco is always the destination I had in mind for learning Arabic. Okay. So. Very good. Well, according to CNBC, the number one iPhone app of the year is the Spectre camera app. And that's also, ta- that's also trending as the number one in some other app lists also i just can't see somebody using a different camera app than the camera like specter that's what it's called yeah. mm-hmm. never in my they life. bought that mm-hmm. they bought that mm-hmm. placement mm-hmm. never heard of that no exactly. i've never heard of it mm-hmm. if you're yes. downloading another camera app to use on your camera well, i have the iphone se so my camera is crap mm-hmm. so i would maybe need a app to enhance the show photo that we're going to take at the end of this episode. Interesting. Yes. The only like photo app aside from like Instagram that I use regularly is called foodie, which I would definitely recommend as people working in the food space. Like so often there's low light and it's really hard to get a good picture, but they pretty much have like filters and 
um, light enhancements that are perfect mm. for food because food can look so gross. As Again, for know. restaurant marketing, I'm sure yeah. that's all they're using. And it's free. Yeah. So on TechCrunch in 2010, the top apps were Instagram, Chase Mobile, <laughs> Price Check by Amazon, Find My iPhone, Google Voice, Twitter, Dropbox, SpringPad. I don't even know what that is. Foursquare. Does anybody remember Foursquare? Yeah. People still use that? I check into the Roberta studio every day. <laughs> Your phone just does that. That's not you. That's oh. that's uh, outed. Siri have, checking in. I don't for know you. how Foursquare works. <laughs> Skyfire web browser. Kindle. Word lens. Groupon. Hashable. Yep. And then top entertainment apps, Netflix, Hulu, TuneIn Radio, Rhapsody. Which year was this for? 2010. Wow. Top iPhone game, Angry Birds. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. I saw the movie, but I never watched the app. (laughs) (laughs) There was a movie. Did you watch the Emoji movie also? I didn't. Not yet. It's on the list. Okay. Matt, do you have an app that you really feel strongly about right now? No, but... I feel like someone saying, I saw the, <laughs> saw the movie, but I watched the app is the oldest person thing that anyone's ever saw on the show. Matt, don't I'm make sorry. fun of our guests. It is the penultimate show. Tony is a friend. <laughs> um, He's uh, adjacent. He's uh, adjacent in uh, the control booth. The New York Times, I realize, is my absolute most used app. Okay. Far, like far and away it's often the first thing I check in the morning it's the most checked thing during the day so there you go yep it didn't make the tech crunch list mm. at all yep I recently started paying for the New York Times cooking app which mm-hmm. has improved my life hugely really, really? Yeah. that's interesting because I mean otherwise everything is behind a paywall and I don't have a time subscription so oftentimes, like, the only place I can find the recipe I'm looking for is through the Times. And so I'm sort of searching to see if some, like, blogger republished it and hope they got it right. Do you have a Times digital subscription just I for don't. the news? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that might have helped. All right. So those are the apps. Apps are always so much fun. It's amazing that Instagram is probably, like, still up there in the best apps for 2019. I would imagine so. Mm -hmm. It's going to be up there for a while. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. The 12 must-have iPhone apps, according to PC Magazine, right now are... And I can't even find it because there's a giant ad. Evernote, Facebook, Flipboard, Gmail, Google Map, Instagram, Editor's Choice. I guess when I think of favorite Netflix. app, I think of nothing for work, but only like what would I do for actual, like, yeah, Snapchat. use apps all the mm-hmm. time, but I'm not having fun using them most of the time. So we can pivot right into shoebox is kind of Sweet. like an app, yeah. right? Yeah. Sort of. Well, it's people use it, their phone with it. Yeah. And there's let's, in, in the parlance, like app. Like, people app think, it, yes. Think, well, that's, yeah. I'm so happy you said that because in the first iteration, when I was, thinking about starting the show and got the show and then was doing all kinds of planning. Hashtag, what's your favorite app? Mm. Favorite app. And it was absolutely in my mind the duality of mm-hmm. apps 
appetizers, apps, yeah. applications on your phone. Applications on your phone, but also it come, comes across a lot. App thinks People think that it means only mobile app. App just means application. So when people ask, do you have an app? Shoebox is an app, even a web-based app. But mobile app would be more what people are looking for mobile apps mm-hmm. usually when they're talking about apps. It's been just tunicated to just be app. Although if you just have a home screen icon that pushes to the web browser, people even sometimes think that's an We app. fake that all the time. Yes. Yes. So the journey of Shoebox, you were still in a restaurant kitchen working as a chef in 2010. I was. And the past decade is your transition from chef to restaurant tech startup guy. Entrepreneur. Yeah. Moving from apps to apps. Exactly. Top line. What have you seen change in the restaurant industry tech-wise over the past 10 years? Restaurant industry changes very, very slow. I, I can't the, say even that. Even in the past five years? I am introduced to restaurants every day in New York City from chefs you would think had everything dialed in who are still Can doing things names? by hand. But, you know, some people who have been on television shows like that you know are pitched technology every day. And they're still like, wait, what? We don't have to do this anymore? I mean, yesterday this was happening. Um, this is someone who has a smartphone and is on Instagram, presumably, and making reservations with their Open Table app absolutely. and their Resi app and all that, buying stuff on Amazon. And their back office is just a mess, you know? Stacks usually it's more customer facing technology. That's usually what people invest in more these days. It, my world, the back of the house world, is still in its infancy as far as technology goes. Do you ha- still have, so it sounds like you still have the same struggle explaining to potential customers what it is Shoebox does. Yeah, we just don't try as hard anymore. It's like you either <laughs> want it or you don't. You know, we, we've gotten past the point where we need the business or we're going to die to that, you know, we can concentrate on our efforts, I would say. Has the restaurant industry then responded to you with things that they would like to see or evolution of the product? Are any of them oh, yeah. getting a little more? Hip to the tech. Yeah, I think that people, by and large, don't really understand technology whatsoever or what it takes. Just people generally. The, people just the in general. general population. Uh, everybody. Not even just the subset specifically of restaurant people. Yes, people. literally. Mm-hmm. I think that it's so awash in money that people don't understand how much it really takes to get something constructed and done and available. Um, most of the tech game in any industry is about fundraising, I think, first and foremost. So you'll see a very glossy, put-together, complete product because it's been subsidized by a ton of cash. Um, So it's kind of people's perception of what is possible has been a little bit warped, and tech has become something of a commodity, I think, to... People can pick and choose, and it's you know, $99 is the limit, and they're not really, they don't value it in dollars as far as the sale goes. It's interesting because in tech, you don't have to actually produce anything and make money and be in the black to get those investment dollars sometimes yeah, if you absolutely. have a good collaboration of all the right ingredients. Yeah. We talked about this on one show before. It's almost like the similarity is that when you open a restaurant, you're opening a failing business. When you open a tech company, essentially, essentially yeah, it's yeah, for the few years you're you're you know not necessarily like taking home buckets of cash, um, and tech companies you have to be resigned <laughs> to not taking home any cash. Yeah, yeah. for a while, um, and tech companies can be very similar. It's a heavy, heavy upfront cost, and then you have to see it through past that year three, four, or five to where you're actually generating enough income to hold yourself up. 
So do you think then that the restaurant world is immune to the tech trends a little bit? I, I will say that I've talked about this before on the show just generally, and I've talked about it with people in the outside world, and I'm sure we've all experienced this. We're all people who have these little computers in our pockets, and we go around, we do all these things on our phones all day long. We talk to people, we buy stuff, we download stuff, we organize stuff. And then when we get into work, whether it's a restaurant or an office or a radio station or a pizza shop, it's like we forget all of the things that we know how to do with technology, and then we sort of revert to this pre-2010, you know, 2.0 version and I don't know how to solve that problem. I don't know how we do that. What do you mean? What do you mean social media marketing? Right. Well, you still have to work on technology. I think a lot of people look for technology, at least from in the restaurant world where I see it, like, oh, I pay this fee and it's all done. But it's a tool. It's a tool that you have to use and you have to keep up on it and you have to log in and double check things. It doesn't just make it done since you paid for it, basically. You have to actively manage it. Are you more tech savvy now, 10 years uh, later, than you were when you were actually calling talk talk. apps? You I can, can talk, talk the, the talk. talk. Are you actually more tech savvy? I think Because you're I, using the same apps and you just saw the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm more... I've definitely, Are you representative of your, of your customer base? N- no. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Have absolutely. they seen Angry Birds? Probably. Well, they don't have a day off. Well, they don't have the pleasure of seeing Angry Birds. Um, but... Uh, I think I've learned how tech is created much, much more. And I can understand what the, 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 the team is doing to make it happen. Um, but I still think record players are cool. You know? I mean, that still well, mystifies me. It's still retro. Yeah, it's, analog it's is like, retro and cool. I still don't understand how it actually happens at the end of the day. We use a lot of tech here. Although sometimes because we are in the recycled shipping container studio in Roberta's Pizza, and it's very, you know, we have taxidermy boarhead on the wall, and there's a lot of wood paneling, and booze, booze, and we do have a really nice new liquor cabinet this season, stickers on the wall, that kind of stuff. It feels very analog in here, but we do use a lot of technology, because everything is webcast, exactly, and published online. Matt, are we high tech, or no? Are we mid tech? We're, yeah, we're... We're like 2010 tech. <laughs> I mean, we're 10 years old. We're Yeah, yeah. We're 2010 tech, I think, by definition. So we're probably mid-tech, not high-tech. In the grand scheme of humanity, we're high-tech. Okay. Oh. I feel better now. Yeah, I think mid-tech is, is fitting. Is that like mid-century? Are we Rude. more stylish? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're very minimalist, um, Danish design. What do you think the broad strokes have been in the arc of the past 10 years for the radio station? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, I've been with HRN for, it'll be three years in the spring. And it's amazing to like join an organization that has so much history already. And like looking back at the archive, I think the biggest accomplishment is going to, is, is our archive. We have 13,000 and counting episodes. So anyone that you want to hear from in the world of food, Beverage, food, tech, wine, history. Farming, school lunch, food policy. Literally any topic. Publishing, cookbooks. Yeah. So it's this like living thing that's a resource to anyone who wants to listen across the world. So that's, while we might not be like the highest tech, 
we're providing like a really amazing tool. Um, we're, we're artisanal tech. We're, I love that. Handmade artisanal tech. I love that. Yes. I don't know what you guys could do to be more high tech. I mean, it seems like you, what else could you add that would make it more? Matt, what's on the wish list for technology? VR. Oh. When, when Dave Arnold yells at you, I want you to see him yelling at you. That's terrifying. Right there. I don't want he it. Just, he can just live stream on Instagram. It's true. So we then, already have the tech for that. Do you have a wish list for the studio, tech-wise? This is the thing. Like, no, not I mean, not. No, I mean, we got the new really. mics and the new mic screens this year. I we mean, could, we got we the could, new liquor bar cabinet thing. Yeah, what more could you ask for? We already got new liquor cabinets. What more could we ask for? I, low bar for ice. Yeah. Low boy for ice. <laughs> yeah, and like and a, mixers. Uh, private, like a servant. Yeah, <laughs> we need a butler. Intern yeah. slash intern. A robot <laughs> intern. Robot intern. <laughs> this is an app that I think went away. Um, right when I met my mother-in-law, we she was recovering from a surgery. And we hired her a manservant through manservant.com to come visit her. That's a thing? Uh, what? Well, it was. I think it's not a thing anymore. It was like a very attractive young model man in a suit <sighs> who came Did and he like, like played acoustic. Did he like walk around next to you with he, like, an umbrella? He like played acoustic guitar for her and made her a cocktail or something. Uh, I don't think it exists anymore. she was recovering from something? What? That doesn't sound like invalid recovery. That sounds like... Something uh, else. No, it's definitely <laughs> like, like it was like afternoon. one notch away from an escort service. I imagine that might be why it like got <laughs> shut down. I don't know. We just maybe, discovered yesterday that maybe, it no longer exists. Maybe it just has a new URL. I hope so. Because it brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> wow, I'm so glad I learned that. That's something HRN does not have. We Yet. do have a team of amazing we do have interns, but they, they do actual radio intern work. We they really actually do. had two interns that collaborated on a show this year. We did a lot of radio shows here on Tech Bytes. We did our very first ever show where we did produce packages and produce stories, which we never do because we, we always have live people here on Tech Bytes because it's fun. And you get great conversations when you get to have the people that you're talking to in the same space. So we never really do phone-ins, and we never do produce packages. But we do have the show, Meet and Three. Meet and Three, Meet Plus Three. I know it's this is controversial. It's Meet and Three, but um, it's a plus sign. It is. We actually changed that because people were getting confused, and especially for like born and bred New Yorkers like myself, I didn't know what a Meet and Three was, um, which is, if you've ever been down south, you go to you know, a classic kind of cafeteria style, like order at the counter place and you get a meat and three sides. And so those places are called meat and threes. Well, that's why the cafeteria plate has the big section on the bottom for the principal protein and then Mm -hmm. the three little sections on the top for the three. So that's the format of the show. We have one long form meaty story and then we have three shorter stories. And that's another like huge accomplishment of this decade to go off on a tangent is meat and three was like, one of the most labor-intensive shows that we produce, but... Still is. Well, it's really important to us because, you know, we have this 13,000-episode archive, we have 35 weekly shows, and for someone who might want to get into listening to HRN, it can be intimidating. Like, where do I start? I have X interests, but Meet and 3 is kind of like a good teaser. We feature clips from shows across the network every week. Um, So it's a nice way to sort of bring people in, 
And drill down on a theme also. Exactly. An idea, sort of do a 360 look at one story or one idea or a trend, and then you get a nice different points of view. Yeah. And different from different media around. We did a great show. It was in March. It was episode 171, the Farming Simulator Esports League, which is so just, good. this is so crazy. There's a, there's a game called Farm Simulator, and it comes out of Europe, and it's in its 19th edition. You build a farm. It's sort of like SimCity or mm-hmm. something like that, but it's a farm. You can pick a, an American farm landscape or British farm landscape, and then you build. You have tractors and barns and livestock, and people play it with such veracity that this year they did an eSports league where they were going to have competing teams from wow. around the world and someone was going to win $250,000. That's small potatoes. And this, <laughs> this, not to make a pun, but um, some of these guys <laughs> playing these games, it's like a million-dollar pot sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we did the we had two of the Meet and Three interns, and they each did a story from one point of view and interviewed different people, and... We aired the show during a, a gaming convention in Boston <laughs> and actually did a phone-in with a gentleman from the company that produces the game talking about how it's so exciting. This is their first time coming to a U.S. gaming event because there's a lot of gamers in the U.S. John Deere was making its debut in the series. People were excited about wow. the tractors. It's a big thing. What was, it? What was the goal to like make more harvest or did you take it to... Did you sell it eventually? What, what, what was the metric by which you... I think it's multiple things. I think it's you, you expand your build, and then you are selling your crop. I think there's also livestock, and then there's just like expanding your acreage and your property, and you build barns and After they sell the crops, what do they do with those invoices? Good question. They need something to... <laughs> how do they know that they're, getting those, they're paying their vendors properly? I smell a cross-promotion... The interesting thing was fascinating. Also, this episode is ranked number one on one of the podcast platforms because I take a look at all these things every now and then, like, you know, top 10 episodes of Tech Bytes, you know, ranked on this website or that website. And one of them, the Farming Simulator Esports League show is number one. That's awesome. Yeah, it was I don't a know really if it's true fun or not. episode. It was such a great idea. We'll have to do more of those. It was a definite um, something new format-wise for the show. I wonder how long the competition lasted. Was it, like... They were doing they were doing brackets. There were multiple stages. They have I like think they were five like, hours to build a farm. I don't know. They did multiple stages for like the winning team, and then there was some big final event that they were going to compete for and win the money. Hmm. Farm Farm Simulator 19. Wow. Insane. Did you play it? No. But I did go online, look at some people, look at some of the different things, yeah. and the website and the videos and. One of the, some, some of the interesting things were somebody was trying to recreate their family farm that they didn't have anymore and would play the game to recreate the family farm, which mm. was very touching, and he was kind of emotional about it, mm. that kind of thing. And there were people who were really um, emotionally invested in a digital land that had a connection, an emotional connection to them and their family. And they sort of connected back to that family history through playing a, a virtual reality game. It's wild. That's it beautiful. Wild. Maybe that'll um, help to slowly move the U.S. to valuing our farmers more and our food system. It's a European right? game. 
But if enough Americans play, maybe. Well, if enough Americans are listening to Heritage Radio and becoming members, we can continue our mid-tech broadcast platform into the next decade. We might even be able to come become a little more high-tech. Exactly. <laughs> we are going to find out who the amazing underwriter is for this show. Our underwriters, grants, and our members help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that 90% of Wisconsin's milk is made into cheese? And this is not just any milk. When Swiss, German, and Italian cheesemakers first settled into Wisconsin, they chose their new home because of the special terroir of the region. Its soil and water are nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin produces 25% of all cheeses made in the U.S., and Wisconsin cheeses have won more awards than any other state or country in the world. How do they do it? Wisconsin cheesemakers combine their heritage and tradition with nonstop innovation. They were the first state to establish cheese grade standards and the first to require that every cheese plant be overseen by a licensed cheesemaker. Wisconsin is the only place outside of Europe where one can pursue an elite master cheesemaker certification. All of these impeccably high standards mean Wisconsin produces more than 48% of the nation's specialty cheese. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today we are looking at the past year and the past decade in food and tech. We are with Tony Aziadi. Ayatsi. Ayatsi. Yatsi. Ayatsi. <laughs> Co-founder of Shoebox. If you are in the restaurant business, you need to check them out. It is a fascinating, super easy way to manage your point of purchase in the back of the house. All those seafold towers, towels and post-it notes that you get from your vendors, you can magically overnight turn them into an organized spreadsheet. We've had this conversation before, back in the, Tony's been on a bunch, a bunch of times. It's not Top Chef spreadsheet challenge. Right. You know, nobody goes to culinary school because they want to, like, get the James Beard Award for best spreadsheet. You don't open the box and have, like, have to balance a P&L. No. And most of the kitchen restaurants that we go to to, you know, do some financial technology, you, you know, there's, there's a keyboard wrapped in plastic wrap on top of a wine crate that's being used as a desk with, you know, it's a ramshackle type of thing. So we allow them to take a picture with their phone send it off, and they don't have to communicate with their accounting department as much, which all restaurant people love, is to that separation of corporate and like on-the-ground restaurant folk. So what were the big trends that you saw in the restaurants, though, in your tours this past year? Big trends tech-wise, or just big trends in general? Just generally. I think that everyone's going towards a... It's, it's a maintaining of the trend of going towards a simpler way of service. Um, less accoutrements of dining, as we call it. Like fine dining has become something different, a, a thing apart a now, where neighborhood restaurants are becoming a lot more neighborhoody. I think, without trying to... You know, it's just too expensive to run a restaurant. And I think for, for good reasons, they're becoming less involved of a dining experience. 
the, the money's going more into the food, I think. And food is becoming better, I believe. I think one of the biggest tech trends to impact restaurants is something that we talked about at the beginning of the show, Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you look at BuzzFeed did a great <clears throat> food trends that define the 2010s. And every single one of them, avocado toast, rainbow unicorn food, acai bowls. Never gets old. That's what's, that's what's surprising to me. Instagram, yeah. cronut, Instagram. Yeah. All of these trends are made possible and brought to you by Instagram. Yeah. And Hannah, I mean, you spend a lot of time on Instagram. It's crazy. I mean, it's not tech in the sense of, you know, a restaurant serviceware tech. It's a promotional tool. I think it's... It's definitely something that people can um, assume and do quite easily to promote themselves, restaurants. And it also staggers restaurant service in a different way now when people take time to take pictures of their food and do things like that and then it gets cold and it's not hot anymore or it's melting and with the lighting and all those kinds of things. It's How many pictures of a experience. hamburger can one guy take? It's amazing. I, I was sitting, I was at Pastis a few nights ago sitting next to like four or five guys. They all got the hamburgers. They're all taking pictures of the same hamburger, like group shots of the hamburgers. I'm like, it's, it's a good hamburger, but I don't know if it's that exciting. But they all had to have their own shot too, right? It wasn't like somebody took one and it was good. Now everyone has to have their own pictures of the same thing. Well, you want the guy who has the Spectre camera app yeah. to take the picture. Yeah. Or the, the... Foodie. 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 Yeah, shout out Foodie. When you were a chef, was social media at the table an issue? No. Because you were in white tablecloth restaurant. Yeah, not at all. Zero. And I, we've chatted about this before the show. I think that really changed when phones were more, in, or cameras were more integrated into the phones. That's what really changed the whole dynamic of social media and social media in restaurants. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about when, when was the first camera phone, I had Nokia, Nokia flip phone, Nokia slide phone, pre-Blackberry. And all the Nokia phones always had video and camera. Hmm. You couldn't do you much couldn't with them. You couldn't share with anybody. <laughs> I mean, you, you could e- send them somehow. They were difficult to get off the phone. Probably I cost $15 could plug to it send into, a photo. You could plug it into a computer, maybe? Yeah. But I remember the Nokia flip phone, and then I had the slide, Nokia slide phone from the Matrix. Mm-hmm. I love that phone. I would go back to that phone if I could. If they bring out that, if Nokia brings that phone out again when Matrix 4 comes out, yeah. I might put away my iPhone SE for a little bit. And I would go, I would go back to a flip phone. I would go back to a flip bit. phone. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like to. a relief. Yes. Yeah. Honestly. Flip phone. That might be a trend for 2020. The trend show and the preview shows next week. But we'll. I have we'll a feeling people have a flip phone they take out, but maybe still have a camera phone. I used at home. to. Yeah. I used to do that. All you need is a Go phone that you can pop your SIM card into, yeah. and you're good. Yeah. Any last thoughts about the trends for the decade in Heritage Radio? Yeah, I mean, I think HRN was really at the like a, a very quietly at the forefront of podcasting. If you think about when it was people- quiet, just because of the reach, it wasn't quiet in terms of the oh, actual no. volume. It was the high shows. volume. Um, but yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, we started out just as what we called internet radio, which we later later became this podcast boom that we're all experiencing and enjoying. And it started with one show, Mr. Patrick Martin's, and it's grown to be this incredible media empire. And I think it's a really exciting time 
uh, next year we really want to like improve and grow and especially it being an election year and we want to do a lot more news coverage, current events, um, coverage of the impact that, you know, the climate crisis is having on our food system. So we have some really exciting new shows in the pipeline um, that'll be really topical and hopefully a useful tool for all of our listeners as we grapple with this uh, time we're living in. Great. Well, I think some of the big food tech stories that we covered on the show, we try and be current. We try and be newsy. Definitely the plant-based burger Mm. is hot, hot, hot right now. There was an article in the Times this week about now the actual meat burger people are starting to raise their pitchforks and starting to publish some competing, competitive points of view and websites about how meat is good for you and plant-based stuff is not. So I do think that the... I think that's happened even with like the milk industry saying you can't call it almond milk, right? Is it more of a branding thing? Like don't call it a burger? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or plant-based meat or something like you can't use the word meat, that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. But I think that was a big story for 2019, especially when you have the big fast food chains, Burger King, McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, Mm -hmm. jumping on board. I think that's heating up. That's the beginning. We'll probably hear much more about that. Next I think year. it'll reach a point like, you know, frozen yogurt did where there's just going to, or poke it's like all of it's everywhere. And then it kind of dies back down. Mm-hmm. So we'll see it like jump up a lot. There'll be a lot more brands coming onto the market with whatever. Costco's having, Costco's going to do their own. There's a bunch of stores that are going to do their own. If Costco's going to do one, maybe um, Walmart's going to do one, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I also think that, you know, we had the great Grubhub gate where Grubhub was buying up restaurant websites and then basically trying to like sell it, sell clicks back to the restaurants. Almost. Well, yeah, I mean, That's yes, terrible. it's terrible. I mean, and the, the whole phone thing and the delivery thing. I think the delivery stories are just a little bit tip of the iceberg. I'm oh, hoping yeah. that going into 2020, we see delivery, the the, the true story behind delivery mm-hmm. actually come to light, and then maybe that will. Yeah regulate itself going forward. And I have to say that's something that, especially a story like that, I'm really proud to be a part of an organization like HRN because I think we're all familiar, like a lot of food media is very trend-driven and and like very surface. Um, But like, you know, on Meet and Three this year, one of our reporters interviewed a delivery worker and like, what is it like delivering food in New York in the winter and do people tip you? And I don't see stories like that happening on other networks. No, they don't. It's amazing. They're talking about Grubhub and the IPOs and the money and the exactly. returns. They're not talking about the flip side. Right. Really. It's not about the human story behind no. it. No, no. And there is a human story. One of the very first shows we did was, is delivery, our delivery services bad for restaurants? Mm-hmm. We had two independent restaurant owners come on and it was a- absolutely, it's a heartbreaking show because the delivery services were costing them money in essence. And people don't think about it. And they want the convenience, which is great, but somebody's paying for it, and it's not Grubhub or Seamless or DoorDash or and Caviar or anybody. Mm-hmm. It's the restaurant. Yeah, so the restaurants have to feel, learn how to say no uh, a it's lot. It's so hard. It is, but restaurants have been, restaurants and restaurant people have been compelled to say yes to every like everything. We're always going to add, 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 and they're really, you know, it's hard to get them to take away. 
from something. But if you're losing money at something, don't do it. We did a show, a bunch of shows with like upcycled products and new products and plant-based dairy products and things like that. So I do think all those, you know, alternative plant-based upcycled versions of things will continue to be strong. We did a great episode where we had a very well-known pastry chef by the name of Chris Broberg, who is now a chef at the Instagram Facebook HQ in Manhattan. We had a bunch of the food tech products sent to him, and he did classic French pastry baking with them and came on the show and talked about if they worked as advertised or not. And it's great because he's so technically knowledgeable about baking that it's kind of a geeky show. It talks about like protein molecules and moisture percentages and things what like that. What was the overarching decision? Like, did they or did they not? They did. He really? liked them. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I brought him on the show and did that without knowing because I just wanted to hear what his opinion was. It's so easy for us as, as consumers and as journalists and as people who are interested in the food tech space to get on board with something like upcycled barley flour from a brewery and zero waste and all that kind of stuff but does it really work are we really using it the way we should right. and it's nice to see that in some instances the answer is yes yeah especially if it doesn't cost five times as much well <laughs> <laughs> you got to be committed to upcycling when it costs more yes yes we'll see more of that and i think also just data Data, 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 and funding. Data and funding. Yeah. Data and funding. It's all about funding. I, I, I would hope that the, the restaurant tech, if I can speak for my community, concentrates a lot less on fundraising. It seems like that's the primary goal at first and, and more on actually providing a service um, and treat it more like a business instead of, hey, I'm a Fortune 500 co- company. I just raised $10 million. It's like, you ain't. You know, you still have to go and make these, this business work. And that's where we see the, the delivery apps. That's where we see these things try to scale outside of the potential of the restaurant to scale with them. Um, you know, restaurant business is a tough, tough business. They don't make it's a lot of money. It's not getting easier. It's not getting easier, and they don't make that much money. So Any. Yeah, any. So when you're trying to confront a business plan that shows scalability in the restaurant industry, like delivery, mm-hmm. Where's the money going to come from at the end of the day? You're going to put them out of business or you're going to have to come up with all these really crafty underground ways to rip them off, you know, because you can't hit your own numbers. Well, that's a little dire. Hmm. Not if they, not if they put less emphasis on fundraising and more on doing a business. I would love to see more restaurant tech developed by restaurant people, people who have a, a good sense of how it is. Uh, yeah. we, do a, we do a lot of shows where we have restaurant tech people come in and have them pitch their services to actual restaurant owners Yeah, and see again, you know, yeah, we can all get behind an app where consumers get a discount. Can the restaurant get behind that and provide the product that the app or the platform is promising? Yeah. It has to all connect together. And I do think that's one place where Heritage Radio is quite good doing the, the lesser talked about stories, the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. coming full circle. What does that product actually cost? How is it actually made? Who's actually impacted? You know, what happens? It's fascinating. Although I will say I'm always, <clears throat> there are moments where, you know, you do feel like, you know, very hopeful that the food tech space is moving in the right direction when we've done shows with this year, uh, 
fintech company, mm. which is crowdsourced fundraising for farms. Mm. Oh, yeah. Things like that are awesome. And they have a lot of, you know, the same way in New York City, we have young people who are starting, you know, artisan craft businesses where they're going to, you know, make kombucha or slate, you know, coffee tables and aprons by hand and, you know, go back to, you know, artisan crafts. You have young people in some parts of the Midwest who are starting farms and they're going to tech crowdfunding platforms to do it. Which is great. When tech can kind of help just assist the existing infrastructure, I think it's really, really amazing place to be. No, totally. And I think like, I like what I'm seeing. I, I hope that I can be optimistic that people are really coming back to community. Right. And that's, I mean, that's, that's why we do this. That's why we make food radio. It's this amazing community of people who really, really care about every facet of our food system and know that the best way to empower people is to tell them stories and to paint a picture. And as much as like time we spend on Instagram with visuals, there's something really special about hearing someone's voice in your ear. Hearing someone's voice. It's so intimate. And I feel like you retain so much more, you have a connection um, and, and you carry it with you. I mean, I remember listening to HRN before I worked here and I would remember episodes of chef story better than I would some stupid TV show I was watching. Cause someone was talking to me. There's something that you can't really, it has replace. a, for all the technology and the impersonal nature of the world today, what attracted me to wanting to have a podcast at HRN initially Oh, way back in 2014 when I was pitching the show to the then executive director, Aaron Fairbanks, was that it had a very analog, intimate quality because it was very one-on-one. -on -one, and we're texting and we're Instagramming and posting and tweeting and swiping and slacking and all that. But when was the last time you had a phone call with somebody, an actual voice phone call, or you actually talked to someone? Mm -hmm. 2010. That was... <laughs> I think podcasts are great. I listen to them all the time. I listen to your show all the time. Mm -hmm. I listen to other, other shows on HRN all the time. And more and more, I'm surprised about how many people actually listen to podcasts mm -hmm. on a, and like really have fans, uh, fans of specific podcasts. It's like a, a ritual. It's, it's like a ritual part of their week, usually. It's like, it's Tuesday, it's one o'clock. What do you mean that podcast yeah. isn't up yet? Yeah. Like they start getting angry emails, you know? I think that's really great. And I think especially in the food world, because people have non-traditional hours, they're yeah. not necessarily sitting at a desk, they're not necessarily sitting down to read the newspaper or, you know, read the news online. It's very equal opportunity. Like, I was just at the Young Farmers Conference at Stone Barn Center, and so many farmers were like, oh my god, I love podcasts, I listen to so many podcasts, because I'm standing and walking around all day and fixing fences and feeding cows, and I can walk around and listen to podcasts, yeah. and that's how I connect with the world. Yeah. Well, we hope you are all walking around, taking us with you on your day, every day. We have 13,000 13, hours, episodes. Yeah, probably more hours than that. But oh, yeah, my goodness. I think we're, we're well, getting well, over 13,000. Start with 195 Tech Bytes first, and then work your way through the dial. Excellent. And we are currently conducting our year-end... Fun drive. I know we were just talking about fundraising, and I'm sure all of your dedicated Tech Bytes listeners know that HRN is... Even though we our output is is very large and very mighty, we are a very small nonprofit. Um, Matt, our engineer, and myself are part of a team of four full time staff members, but we're mostly powered by people who volunteer their time, like Jennifer, 
people who are experts in their field and come in and talk about what they're passionate about and want to reach listeners and make their lives more delicious and interesting. Um, so yeah, we can't do it without support. Um, Shoebox is one of our supporters. We're very lucky to count them among our business members. Um, so whether you have a business and you want to reach our listeners' ears or you're an individual and you want to make sure that Food Radio sticks around for another decade, which is what we're hoping for. Um, yeah, right now is the time that we, we need everybody to come together um, and donate, become a part of our community. Our community of members is really, really rich. It's, you know... Alice Waters, and then also, you know, my mom. But it's a, a group of people who are really passionate. So please Your mom is us. not Alice Waters. No, just not clarify. Alice Waters. Okay. No, that was an and. <laughs> Plus. Yes, in addition to. Um, so yeah, please join us. And you can make a donation in honor of Tech Bites. There's a designation drop-down menu. And yes, there are a lot of shows on there, but that's pretty fab. You can pick Tech Bites and send us a little note to show us how much you love the show. And I will send you something back. I will say to all of our listeners, I get so many emails from people who, you know, in the spirit of the tech space and, you know, mentorship and connecting people and networking. I get so many emails from people and messages who want to buy me a cup of coffee or come to Roberta's and buy me a drink or buy me pizza and talk to me about their career change. They want to move into food tech. They want to move into food. What do I think about this? They have a tech company. They have a startup. What about fundraising, branding, all those types of things. And it's really difficult to find time to talk to everybody. Sometimes I ask people, would you like to come on the show and talk about that? And we've done some shows. Um, we did a great show with actually a, a chef at Roberta's who was looking to move in from the kitchen into food tech. And uh, we had an HR person from a food tech company who was hiring come on and talk to her. And it was great. We like workshopped her resume and everything. So sometimes we can make that happen. But I'll tell you what, if you're one of those people who offered to buy me a cup of coffee to pick my brain, send me what you would have spent on that coffee. I hope it would have been a really good one. And uh, designate your gift to Tech Bites, and I'll send you something, and maybe we'll get you on the show. I want to thank everybody for coming. I want to thank Tony for being for just under the wire making his appearance for 2019. Thank you very much. <laughs> Happy to be here. And Hannah making the appearance to represent the decade. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I think I left this part out, but you can go to heritageradionetwork.org/slash/donate to um, show your love for Tech Bites and get some advice from. Jennifer Liuzzi, the one and only. Yes, I always have an opinion about everything. And they're usually <laughs> for the pretty price bad. Of, for the price of a cup of coffee, it's a steal. And I I mean, Matt's always here because he's our engineer, but you do do a good job. I feel like I should thank you also because it's the end of year. I, I am your manservant. You don't need to thank me. <laughs> oh, we ordered nice. him for you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be getting that coffee later. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Tech Bytes. We are live every Tuesday at 6.15 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org. If you want to take us with you, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all of the bestest podcasting platforms. If you want to tell us what you think, email us at techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. If you want to make sure we never go away, send us a donation, underwrite us, sponsor us. Thank you for listening. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi, and this is Tech Bytes.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.